Hello, and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon, and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks. And before we dive in, we really want to pause and thank our loyal listeners. That's right. We sure appreciate you. And we hope that if you like us, you'll take a moment to share this podcast with a friend who works for a nonprofit organization or volunteers for one, that you'll subscribe and make sure you don't miss an episode, and that you'll like us on Facebook or other social media that you use. All of this helps us reach more people. And the more people we reach, the more good nonprofits can do. Yes, very much so. So, Sarah. What do you want to talk about today? Mm, I want to talk about tidying up our nonprofit closet. I don't understand. So like the supply closet where we keep the old binder clips and the, uh, oh, those centerpieces left over from our fundraising dinner. Remember those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, we do actually need to clean up that closet. And having just moved offices, I can assure you that there are boxes of things like that hidden in every organization. No, no. Today, though, I mean something a little different. I, I think I'm I'm talking a little more metaphorically, like the place where we store all of our programs or all of our fundraising strategies or all of the things that make up our culture. That organizational closet is the one I think we might want to tidy up. Oh, that closet. Like if we open the door, all this stuff is going to fall out. So why now? Like, why should we tidy that mess now? Well, I think most nonprofits are really, really good at adding things to that closet, adding things to their plate. Like every good strategic planning session I've ever been to, it's like the lists are full of all the other things we could be doing. And then maybe on one small little piece of paper is something like, oh, and we could stop doing that, right? We're super good at adding, 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 buying more. We're hoarders. We're hoarders of good ideas. What we're not so good at is trimming things back and acknowledging that a program or a process or an event or or some trait of our organization isn't serving us or our mission well enough and then choosing not to do it anymore. And we need to get better at that. Yeah, I agree. I love those meeting agendas where they have the agenda and then at the bottom, they have like this list of 25 other things we could talk about if we have time. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, they never get to that list. Exactly. So that's that kind of meeting agenda closet that maybe we could clean out as well. Uh, but, you know, this layering approach happens with the best intentions. There may be more demand for help than current programs can address. And so you just keep adding on. Or, you know, maybe a funder pays for a new program and you really need that money. That money helps with kind of general operating costs. And so you you add it on or maybe there's legacy issues around founders. And so you keep those programs and you don't let go. There's there's a lot of ways to end up with a full closet. For sure. And, you know, I was recently in this really interesting conversation with a nonprofit colleague who made the point that right now in this moment when we've had the COVID disruption and we're, you know, we're still even trying to figure our way out of it, um, that right now is a really excellent time to do that tidying up because with the disruption from COVID, it's caused us to, to, to not do the usual things the way we've usually done them. And so we can let some things go and it won't feel quite so dramatic. 
And in fact, honestly, some people won't even remember that you did some of the things that you're letting go of because our minds have just been distracted and and thinking differently about time. So it's actually a really awesome window of opportunity to really look at what's in that closet. I agree. I was listening to a podcast recently about uh, not going back, but going forward. And this notion that, you know, like you said, a lot of people aren't going to remember what we did, or we've got a great excuse to change it. So, but, but let's get concrete. You know, what are you, what are you actually advocating here? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I will admit that my personal closets are not always as tidy as they should be. So a few years ago, I read a book about the Mari method made famous by Marie Kondo. And I tried that with my closet and it was, it was revolutionary. So her method of tidying up, if you don't know about it, is that you take everything out of your closet. And I mean, absolutely everything. And then piece by piece, you only put back the things that bring you joy. It's quite different, actually, from the way I have historically cleaned my closet, which has me kind of thumbing through things and then only taking out the things I don't like, right? Like I'm willing to get rid of that. It's quite a different thing to see all of your clothes on the ground. (laughs) Um, And then piece by piece, you hold each one and you say, does this bring me joy? Somehow when everything is out of the closet and you're, you're looking at each piece alone and asking yourself, if you bring, if this brings you joy, you see that shirt or pants in a totally new light. And what I found when I did it was there were some items that I might not wear a lot anymore. But when I looked at them and I said, they bring me joy, some great flash came to, yes, this brings me joy. I remember how soft it is. Or I love the memory of the night I wore it the last time. It was so great. And of course I'm putting that back. And now I actually wear that piece again. And other pieces that I thought were favorites, you know, when you hold them up, you look at it and you're like, I hate the way I feel when I wear that, right? It just never feels right. But I keep it for some reason because it was expensive or, right? It was, it was a good deal. And so it's a really different method. And so I started thinking about what would it be like to to do that with some of the things in our nonprofit organization, metaphorically, of course. Metaphorically, of course. I agree. I've been a huge fan of the KonMari method. There's a whole series on Netflix right now. And I have to say, I've been binge watching it just a little bit. And I, I agree this whole notion of affirming something to pull it forward as opposed to rejecting something. And, you know, one of the pieces that Marie Kondo does that I just changed my view on things, honestly, is that every time she puts something aside, she expresses gratitude for it being part of our past mm-hmm. and that we're saying goodbye to it and choosing not to bring it into our future. And that that blessing, I mean, we talk a lot in the nonprofit sector about bless and release, and we usually talk about that in the fundraising sense. But I find, you know, I've been cleaning out my home now that I'm an empty nester, and I find myself doing exactly that, that bless and release of taking it and letting it go. And, and by doing so, I can see new combinations and how I can organize stuff. And it's been really interesting. You know, you get... Uh, you know, for example, we've, our, my kids have moved out. We don't have twin beds anymore. And all of a sudden I can turn all those twin flat sheets that have collected in the closet into patterns for my sewing projects. So all of a sudden I can like stand out there on the balcony and see what I own and rethink how I use it. So enough about my flat sheets. How do we apply this to, say, a, a nonprofit fundraising program? Before we move on from your flat sheets, I want to highlight one really important thing about that standing on the balcony that 
um, Marie Kondo encourages us to do through this method is it also helps you pause and just realize all that you have done. You've done a lot, right? And when you look at all those sheets, for example, you realize there were a lot of years and a lot of love, you know, a lot of family in those in those flat sheets. And I think it's also really important for an organization, even if you're really young or if you're, you know, a really old organization to take those pausing moments. And when you see it all laid out, you realize, wow, we've actually done a lot. And that that makes it easier to let things go, I think. So true. All right. So fundraising, that's where, of course, my mind goes because that's that's my my true love and passion. Uh, so here's what I would do if I was going to uh, con Mari my fundraising world. I would make a list of all of the current fundraising strategies we do all of them. So we have, you know, the auction and usually in February and we send out a letter in April and we, you know, whatever, right? Anything. We go on Facebook in November, put them all on a list. And then for each, and this would be a great exercise to do with your fundraising committee or your board. You know, you come with the list of all the things we do and then you clarify who are we trying to reach? So this is for major donors. This is for loyal donors. This is for new donors. This is for everybody why you're doing it. We want them to be informed. We want to ask them for money. We want them to take some other action. And then look at the data about how much money they bring in versus their cost. That's the only reason you keep something, but it's an important piece of data to have. And instead of asking, does this strategy or activity we're doing bring us joy? Because sometimes those events really do bring you joy. (laughs) You ask yourself, does this strategy help us reach our fundraising goals effectively? And if the answer is yes, then you keep it in your rotation. And if it's not, then it's time to say thank you to it and honor it and try something else. I love that where you're actually letting go of something that, I mean, I remember taking a a position where the first thing I was supposed to do was hunt down the people who paid for like $6 earrings at a silent auction. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Let's release this activity right now. You know, the process for programs is actually very similar where you do that same thing. You make that list of programs that you run, every single one of them, and you clarify who they serve, why, you know, why you offer them, why you've been doing them, you know, what part of your mission they fulfill. And instead of that question of why do they bring me joy or how do they bring me joy? It's does that program really move the needle on your mission? Because as much as we may love a program, as much as it may be that legacy program that our founder introduced at the very beginning, it really needs to have an impact on the mission. And if it does, then put it right back into your nonprofit closet, keep it in that program rotation. And if it doesn't help you move the needle, then you really have a choice. You can just get rid of it altogether, or you can figure out how to make it more financially sustainable. How does it better achieve your mission? How, you, you might tweak the program. Use yes, this exactly. as an invitation to change the program. So it does move your mission. It does support your program better. Right. And, you know, as you're making that decision about whether a program moves the needle or not, I just want to highlight that sometimes you'll have really clear quantitative or qualitative data. You know, you'll know that the students in your program uh, learn to read faster because of the outreach you were doing in your mentoring program, for example. But sometimes you may not be able to capture that data and you have to just rely on a good conversation with people involved in the program is, do we think we're actually seeing a difference or can we be honest and say we're not? And and here's how we tweak it to make it so. So sometimes data will drive that decision. And sometimes what we do in nonprofits is so complicated that it's really hard to get a measure around it. 
but just pausing to have the conversation and say, is this the most effective use of our time, our limited resources, our limited capacity to move the needle on our mission is enough of a measurement. Yeah, for sure. And so the last thing that we really want to pull out of our closet is our is our culture. And, you know, so often folks think that their culture is fixed. Like I can't, the culture is what it is, right? But it's not. We can change culture. We can pull it apart and understand its parts and then put it back together again in the way that better serves our mission. So here you make a list of the good and bad aspects of your culture. You think about where culture shows up and how people are behaving and what you see around your office and just make a list of what's working and what's not. And for each one, it is a question of, does this bring us joy? So does it bring kind of sunshine to your mission? Does it move you forward in a joyful way, in a way that moves your mission forward? So if yes, amplify it, talk about it, bring it out into that sunlight. We love talking about sunlight here. Otherwise, figure out how to change it. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this in action, Sarah, of just really clarifying your culture. Absolutely. And I I feel like, you know, in some organizations that this really happens to at a time of growth, like it's when they're growing. So maybe, you know, maybe they were, they were a one or two person office for a while. And, you know, so the culture was really more about personality and just those people. And then suddenly the organization grows to four or five. And especially if you're being really thoughtful about bringing on people who provide different perspectives, then being really clear about what the organizational culture is, is really important. And, and what I love about thinking about doing the KonMari method with your culture is that it requires a conversation. There's no measurement here. There's no data point we're going to look at that's going to tell us if this is joyful or not. It's a conversation between the actual people in your organization. And it's a way to acknowledge that while I don't think culture is something you can sit at a table and agree upon, I do think you can agree upon what is it we want here, right? What is it, what is it, what is it we want to project as an organization? What are our values and how are they lived in our organization? And then, you know, we'll figure out what are the actions we can take to make that happen. I love that. You're looking for that alignment, right? That alignment between what you do and what you say you do. And, you know, clearly when you're talking about, you know, having these conversations, you're noticing everybody as they do this, that this is a team approach that the staff and board need to come together. You can't, one person cannot KonMari alone. This is a a team activity, but once you've done it, you'll have a much clearer picture of what you have in your organizational closet. You know what you have room for and what you don't have room for. And you'll know what you love. And that mm-hmm. that's beautiful unto itself, right? Totally. And you'll be able to see it, right? Because the closet's not so crowded. You can't even see it anymore. It's like the things that work for your organization and work for your mission will be front and center. And I, I feel like that's also a really important piece right now in these relatively uncertain times and certainly upheaval times that we've been through. I think it's important for organizations to kind of get back to what's our core? Like what's our... What's our real focus and core here? Because I I know pre-COVID, lots of us were headed in all sorts of directions. Things got things got really big for a while. And so it's it's really great to look at that closet and say, what's what's the core of what we want to be? I so agree. So what's our word of the week? Well, I think it has to be the word tidy, which I just love saying because it's one of those examples. (laughs) It's one of those words that sounds like what it means, right? Like tidy sounds tidy. Yeah. (laughs) but I looked it up, of course, because I'm like, ah, what an interesting word, tidy. And it actually comes from the mid 13th century, 
when the meaning was in good condition or healthy. And that just seems perfect, right? Like what you're what you're doing in this process when you when you're conscientiously looking at fundraising, our programs, our culture, you're trying to make sure are we in a good condition and are we healthy? Um, and that's just what we need right now, a, a checkup to make sure we're in that good, tidy condition. I, I agree. I love that word, tidy. I think about the tension between tidy and messy. Ah, true. You know, yeah, that many of the issues we work on are really messy, that they're not, they don't kind of lend themselves to have a little bow tied on top. They're complicated without easy answers, you know, and here we are advocating for a tidy approach. So I just want to, you know, the tension there is a great conversation that whenever there's tension in, in how we're moving forward, Let's talk about it. Let's put sunlight on it. Let's let's have that conversation. Right. And to be clear, I don't think either you or I are advocating that everything in your nonprofit should be tidy all the time. It's just maybe once a year, just like it's good once a year to go through your closet, it's good to go through your organizational closet too. And you're right. What we do most of the time is messy and we have to be comfortable with messy. And if we're constantly striving for tidy, we'll end up really frustrated. Absolutely. You know, we're at a moment of great inflection. The pandemic has turned upside down what's normal. Now is a great time to look at everything your organization does and ask if it's working toward your mission. If you do this tidying up work, your nonprofit will be functioning at a higher level and you'll know where your holes are and what you need to strategically fill in. It's a great time for reflection and action. You got this. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show. If you like what you heard on today's episode, please consider sharing the podcast and rating us on your favorite podcast site. Your support is the best way for us to reach more people. We invite you to look at the show notes at nonprofitradioshow.com for ideas on how to bring these conversations into your organization or to tell us what you'd like to hear next. Nonprofit Radio Show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks. Editing and post-production are provided by Margaret Mepp-Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. Music is by Riley Crabtree. Together, we are inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities.